If you intend to set the colonies aflame, take care to run away by the light of it. William Franklin, colonial governor of New Jersey, in a letter to his father Benjamin Franklin at the start of the American Revolution. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and today we're looking once again at the American Revolution, but this time from a decidedly different vantage point. Now we all know that there are two sides to every story, but if you're an American, you grew up believing that the only two sides to the story of the Revolution were the colonist rebels and the British Empire. In reality, there was another much ignored facet to the conflict. Colonial rebels versus loyalist colonists, also known as royalists, Tories, or Kingsmen. In some ways, the American Revolution was our first civil war, though on a much, much smaller scale than the one that would nearly destroy the nation between 1861 and 1865. So who were these loyalist colonists and why didn't they join their rebel compatriots in the fight to become an independent nation? Let's take a look. There were numerous reasons that a significant proportion of the American colonists remained loyal to the crown. And I say significant proportion because it was. It's estimated that 15 to 20 percent of the two million whites in the colonies in 1775 were loyalists. Some of those reasons will seem quite practical to us today if viewed objectively. Loyalists tended to be older, more established both socially and economically, and were thus resistant to radical change. Many, though 170 years after the founding of the Jamestown colony, certainly not all, had family in Britain and thus had that attachment, if only sentimentally. It's not unlike a fourth or fifth generation Italian-American or Lebanese-American, to pull just two random countries, feeling an affinity for their ancestral, ancestral homeland that they've never even set foot in. Some, perhaps even most loyalists, simply saw England as their legitimate government and believed rebellion against that government to be wrong. This isn't unusual historically, as there have always been groups within a colonized people who felt a loyalty to their colonizer, whether that colonizer was benevolent or not. We see instances of this stretching from Roman Gaul to British India. Obviously, some loyalists, especially in the southern colonies, wanted to remain part of Britain because it was economically advantageous to them. England, along with France, bought the bulk of American cotton and this was a relationship that cotton producers were in no hurry to endanger. In one of the greatest ironies of the war, much of the enslaved African-American population of the southern colonies were loyalists just like the southern slaveholders, but not for the same reason. Black loyalists had been promised freedom from slavery by the British in return for their loyalty, and thousands of escaped slaves fled to the British lines. After the war, many of them left with the British and settled in London and Canada. Finally, 
Some loyalists simply feared the chaos and perhaps even mob rule that would result if the empire and the centuries-long order it operated under were abandoned. Today we can look back on a fairly bloodless and orderly transition from colony to nation, but this has too often not been the case, as was seen in the aftermath of independence in Southeast Asia and Africa in the 1950s and 1960s. At the end of the war, many loyalists faced the wrath of their victorious neighbors, with the loss of land, business, and even tar and feathering as traitors, as a punishment. As a result, more than 60,000 of them fled to other parts of the empire, with the southern loyalists settling mainly in British Florida and the Caribbean, and northern loyalists moving to Canada. The names of prominent loyalists are unknown to most of us today. We all know Jefferson and Washington and Franklin, but have never heard of Lieutenant Colonel James Chalmers, who led the 1st Battalion of Maryland Loyalists, or John Malcolm, an Army officer and customs official who was the victim of the most publicized tar and feathering incident of the war, or even William Franklin, Benjamin Franklin's son who's quoted in the epigraph of this episode. After his release from a Patriot prison in 1778, William tried to organize Loyalist militia units to fight in the war, but largely failed. He left for exile in London, never to return to the former colonies, and never truly reconciled with his famous father. So that's our brief look at the other side of the American Revolution, the one they don't tell us about in school. Is it really important that we know about them, especially since they ultimately lost? I think it is, because you can't understand history if you only know part of the story. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you're finding this podcast both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll help us create more content and go a long way toward making this podcast completely ad-free. Thanks again.